Malolele, this is Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. I'm Susana Suiswiki. Coming up... This week specifically is extra special to us. You know, we get to highlight our culture. Tongan Language Week celebrations are underway in New Zealand. Also, after three and a half years, Kiribati's judicial crisis drags on. And later... And we're trying to encourage our Fiji people to know their identity. The Fiji Community Centre opens in Auckland. But first, Fiji's former Prime Minister Frank Bainimarama and suspended Police Commissioner Sitiveni Giliho will go to trial over corruption allegations. The charge being brought against Mr Bainimarama is attempting to pervert the course of justice and Mr Giliho is charged with one count of abuse of office. Rachel Nath reports. The allegations are related to a complaint filed by the University of the South Pacific in July 2019 concerning the actions of the regional university's former staff members. The duo were held in a Suva police cell in March after allegations of interfering with an active police investigation. Now it is alleged that the former leader told Mr Gilio to stop investigations into allegations of abuse. Subsequently, Mr. Gilio directed lead investigator and director of the Criminals Investigations Department to stop investigation into the police complaint by the university. Earlier, defence lawyers filed a no case to answer based on lack of evidence, but this afternoon the magistrate ruled there was relevant and admissible evidence regarding the elements and there was a case to answer. Tongan language and cultural displays are taking place in schools across New Zealand in celebration of Tongan Language Week. There are over 82,000 people of Tongan descent in Aotearoa. Fina Funua has more. In Dunedin, these Tongan students at Otago University perform a Tongan dance. They are one of many Tongan social groups across New Zealand celebrating Tongan Language Week. The theme for this year's Tongan Language Week is Etuuloa Aileo Fakatonga o Kaleaki i Api Lotu Moinofoa It means the Tongan language will be sustainable if used at home, church, and in the wider community. It's not as poetic as themes from previous years, but a more direct message of how the Tongan language can be preserved in New Zealand. Secretary for the Ministry for Pacific Peoples, Geraldine Clifford Lidstone said that various initiatives were being organized towards the end. Encouraging grassroots initiatives to teach the language through various cultural values in our young people, creating environments for our language to thrive by speaking it at home and church, and total immersion classes starting in the homeland and then in Aotearoa. This week, many of the online and in-person activities taking place will focus on youth and the passing of cultural knowledge from elders to young people. Among the schools celebrating the event is Fanua Laha Manongi, New Zealand's first full immersion Tongan language kindergarten, 
According to many advocates of full immersion, students who study in their mother tongue achieve greater education outcomes. The school's principal, Emma Lutui, says Tongan Language Week is an opportunity for Tongan New Zealanders to pay tribute to their roots. Because we're a Tongan language n e s s centre, we do everything Fagatonga anyways, but this week specifically is it's extra special to us. You know, we get to highlight our culture, we, we get to highlight our language, we get to, you know, we get to celebrate who we are and where we come from. We need to acknowledge our ancestors why they came to New Zealand. Wellington Tongan community leader Lupeti Finau called on New Zealanders of Tongan heritage to learn their language. He says speaking the language at school and church was one way of learning it. Because we, are, we learn to speak for our Tongan, and that's how we will sustain our Tongan language. We, we use the Tongan language at church, there are more than 82,000 Tongans in Aotearoa. Since 2010, the Ministry for Pacific Peoples has been supporting Pacific Language Weeks, promoting and raising awareness of the diversity of Pacific Island languages in Aotearoa. Kiribati remains embroiled in a judicial crisis that began more than three years ago. It has seen the government try to deport an expatriate judge, David Lamborn, the sacking of a New Zealand judge serving as Chief Justice after he ruled in Judge Lamborn's defence, and the removal of the Court of Appeal judges, or New Zealanders, who had outpowered the Chief Justice's view. These dismissals are being legally challenged while the government used tribunal. They may have been illegal to push its case. The government has local lawyers working as judges now, headed by its former Attorney General, Tetiro Semilota. Who had been closely involved in the controversial decisions made by the administration. But the situation remains a mess, as Kiribati journalist Rimon Rimon explains to Don Wiseman. Yeah, I think it's, it's really, really looking bleak for the future of Kiribati, especially in the judiciary, with the acting chief justice is, is still not being appointed as a substantive、uh, position. So, what this means is that t e n u r of her position is, is, is not guaranteed, meaning anything can happen at any time. So, basically, it looks like the president, the, the executive, is, is actually in control of everything with disrespect because assisting the, the acting chief justice are two commissioners appointed also by the president, and they Also, both have no security of tenure and they can be removed at any time. This means that we don't have any absolute、uh, judicial independence in Kiribati at the moment, and so that's not looking very good for us. These commissioners have effectively become judges. Well, in that case, yes. So the president can appoint commissioners in a situation where there are no judges for, for certain reasons. But in this case, we know why there are no judges. They've been suspended for, for reasons that we've been talking about. They basically are experienced lawyers, but I think they are taking on this challenge from the president or the, the, the cabinet so that the judiciary functions in, in some sort of capacity. And, and, and that's the arrangement. But I think the, the worry here is that these commissioners, including the, the acting chief justice, they don't have any security of tenure. They can Can be removed anytime. So, yes, they, they are we, on the ground. We see them going to the outer islands trying to, to catch up with the, the mounting cases, especially in the high court. That is progressing, 
but at, at the same time, I'm hearing people on the ground that, you know, it's been many years waiting for their, their cases to be heard or be appealing, you know, an outcome of their cases appeals to come out. But at the moment, it's, it's sad to say that the, that the court of appeal is still non-existent. So the judiciary is not really functioning that well. This all began over the treatment of an expat judge who just happened to be the husband of the opposition leader, and he is still waiting for his case to be heard, and it's years now, isn't it? That is correct, Don. This saga started in 2020. I can recall this uh, very clearly because I've been reporting on this on the ground, and at that time, the puny judge, David Lamborn, of course, he's an Australian, happens to be the the, the husband of the current uh, leader of opposition, Jesse Lamborn. So we think this is just more than personal, or maybe there is an agenda, but this all goes back until 2020, when when this all started. The puny judge, David Lamborn, travelled overseas on an official business. I think one of the conferences he attended was, you know, a gathering of all the judges, and uh, little did he know that pandemic was around the corner and then the government was blocking his, his, his return back to Kiribati. And from that situation, it has escalated into the suspension of the chief justice and it goes further into the, the suspension of the, the court of appeal judges. So it, it doesn't really look good because all these well-esteemed qualified, actually they appointed these judges, but now they're being replaced by an attorney general whom they put on in, in the chief justice position. The very same person who's been uh, the, the main architect in all their, their legal attacks against the, the, the puny judge David Lamborn and the subsequent um, judges. The opposition has endeavoured to raise their concerns over this. They haven't been very successful in that, though, have they? Where are they at now? The last time I spoke with Jeremy Atapai, um, who, who is really leading this uh, campaign on the ground, he was the person in the room uh, designing the constitution of Kiribati. So he knows the constitution. And according to Jeremy Atapai, the current government is doing is actually in breach of the constitution. So I spoke with him before the parliament session that concluded just last week. He was repeating just the same things that he was saying before. He told me, he said, Rimon, you see my problem, I don't think people understand what, what's happening. So I have to keep on saying this. You know, I have to keep on saying this. And so I, I think the, the recent uh, efforts that Yerimia Tapai did in, in the, the recent parliament meeting is that two motions he, he brought up. The first motion is about the non-functioning of the Kiribati Court of Appeal and for government to, to allow this, this body to perform its function. The second motion was on the illegality of, of the tribunal's composition. So this two motions unfortunately did not go they did, did not debate were not debated in the parliament so a lot of the sections of the constitution that the government quoted were incorrect like for, for example on, on the illegality of the tribunal's composition in, in the constitution it specifically says one of the members has to be held as held a high judicial office and none of the judges in this uh, tribunal appointed to, to to investigate into the court of appeal judges has held a, a position in the in fact he's a, a, just a magistrate so so Yeremia Tapai says that is really a breach of, of the, the, the constitution. While these motions did not get a chance to be debated, Yeremia did raise a question, an oral question to the president. And the answer that the president gave was quite astonishing because it clearly shows that, that the constitution was breached. So according to Yeremia Tapai, he said 
that, that the words that the president used were oversight and given the benefit of doubt to explain why he did not respect the constitution. So to come at this stage after all these dramatic incidences of the, the you know the suspension of the judges and the, the, the attempted deportation of the judge Lambourne from Kiribati, very, very messy. And, and, and to come at this stage where the president says this is an oversight, I don't know how to, to interpret this, but I think this is not a good look on, on how things are being uh, carried out by the government. Community leaders from the Fijian diaspora in Auckland, New Zealand, have offered their help to the Fiji government as it navigates the current economic crisis. These leaders believe many health, education and social services issues are affecting the well-being of the people living in New Zealand and Fiji. Founders Nick Naidu and Rachel Mario are confident that a facility will help provide services to the community as they established Aotearoa's first Fijian community centre. Rachel Nath attended the opening of the centre and filed the story. In West Auckland, elders from the Fijian community meet weekly at the Fano Community Centre in Mount Roskill, celebrating their culture and language. What started as a mission to unite people has become a critical hub to keep Fijian culture alive in Aotearoa. Language classes and culture, and that's quite important because language, culture, that's your identity. So if you don't know your identity, you can't get lost. So we're trying to encourage, that's why we've got opened the Fiji Centre, and we're trying to encourage our Fiji people to know their identity. Over 20,000 Fijians have moved to New Zealand in the last 12 years, with Auckland City becoming home to many. The United Nations migration body says in the past there were a series of mass migrations from Fiji due to political upheavals. But Radio New Zealand Pacific spoke to some who fled Fiji as recently as last year, and troubles from home seem to have followed the diaspora. We do have a lot of issues in our Fiji diaspora. Um, but we hopefully uh, we can empower our leaders to um, sort of uh, deal with it. The Fijian government reaffirms its commitment to collaborate with the diaspora. Governments cannot do everything. Governments sometimes don't do things better. Fiji's Deputy Prime Minister Professor Biman Prasad, while opening the Fiji Centre, told community leaders... And I believe there is a lot of knowledge and wisdom that resides outside of government bureaucracy, outside of the ambit of politicians, and governments which choose not to work with communities fail. Both the diaspora and Fiji have much to gain with the community leaders from the Fiji Centre calling for transparent and progressive policies. I'm excited about the rehabilitation you've started back on. I'm hoping that it trickles down the judicial process. There are good systems in place in New Zealand. I hope you take a lead from that because Fiji needs a lot of rehabilitation. The Fijian diaspora have come a long way especially in the sector of the social services. And now that you are in the business of restoration, rehabilitation and healing, if there's anything that we can do, please reach out to us.
The Fiji Centre is a place for everyone who wants to connect and celebrate their Fijian heritage. In sports, we're after 27 rounds of rugby league, the NRL finals kick off this weekend. It's been a bumper year for Warriors fans who are daring to believe their often quoted slogan, it's our year, may be finally coming true. But there are some high quality outfits fighting for the grand prize. Christina Persico looks at the first round of the playoffs. The NRL's complicated final system kicks off this Friday. The second place Broncos play the third placed Storm. The Storm's Cameron Munster says it will hopefully be an exciting game of footy. Finals fever and finals footy and it's something exciting and yeah, really excited to see where we're at against the Bronx. We've been playing some pretty good footy. Uh, obviously, we rested a lot of players last week, so we've seen a little bit of the baby baby storm. So like, a lot of young boys coming through and pretty exciting players coming through. Saw Jack Howard. So yeah, the future's bright for obviously us as a club, but um, yeah, I'm pretty excited. Um, it's just going to be another normal game for us and um, it's probably one of the best sides or one of the exciting teams of the competition is the Broncos and um, yeah, we'll definitely see where we're at coming uh, Friday night. On Saturday, minor premiers Penrith play the fourth-placed Warriors. The winners of these two games get to skip a week, while the losers get a second life next week. For the teams that finished from fifth to eighth on the table, it's straight into sudden death. The Sharks, who came in sixth, play the seventh-place Roosters on Saturday. The fifth-place Knights then take on the eighth-placed Raiders. The losers from both these games are on the bus home, while the winners get another chance. Going into the four-week finals series, the defending premiers Penrith are the favourites. Their former assistant Andrew Webster is figuratively coming home, but now is the coach of the Warriors. Penrith coach Ivan Cleary says the Warriors' performance has been great for the game, but they won't be friends in finals week. Great performance. We're the Warriors. The Warriors are... Yeah, it's fantastic to see. It's great for the game. Um, but, yeah, we're not going to be friends. Yeah, just blessed that we're in the top four and in the semi-finals and part of such a great final series is about to come up. You know, we've worked extremely hard to get here and, uh, yeah, it's a, you know, the old saying, it's a new competition. But um, I think the habits we've formed and the understanding of what works for us, um, you know, will help us in there as well somehow. The Storm are hot on their heels, while the Broncos' falter in the last regular season round, while resting players, has made them seem more beatable. The Warriors are definitely a long shot, but they have beaten the odds to get this far, and their fans are still praying that this is their year. That's Pacific Ways for today. Don't forget you can listen back on rnzi.com slash programs. We're also on Apple, Spotify and iHeartRadio podcasts. Kike maua ha, wiki lea fia. So fast we fall.